Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Atomic Retirement. I'm your host, Ryan Kilkenny, the founder of Atomic Planning, an independent, veteran-owned, fee-only financial planning firm bringing tax and retirement planning to families over age 50. Atomic Planning is a virtual financial planning practice in Kansas City, serving families from coast to coast. Thank you for joining me, and welcome to The Atomic Retirement. Open enrollment season is almost here, and millions of Americans will need to select next year's health insurance coverage at work. Healthcare is not cheap, and as Saturday Night Live's Kate McKinnon, aka Dr. Wayne We Notice, would say, and I'm sorry, Dr. We Notice. Um, yes. Are, are you saying we know this, or are you just saying your last name? Oh, no. Okay, we notice it's Greek. In English, it translates to uh, we know this. Like we're aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> we know this. Okay. 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 Yeah, I think, I think I got it. We know that healthcare is a large expense today, and second only to taxes will probably be your largest expense in retirement. Did you know there's a special tax-advantaged savings account to help with these costs. Yep, today we're talking about health savings accounts, or HSAs. I'll refer to a Wall Street Journal article from Laura Saunders. It's called Tax Secrets of Health Savings Accounts. Let's get started. HSAs were created by the Medicare Prescription Drug Improvement and Modernization Act of 2003. In other words, they're still really young, not even 20 years old. And many people are unfamiliar with their benefits, or as the author calls them, their little-known tax secrets. Before we get too far, you must meet four requirements to be an eligible individual and make HSA contributions. Number one, you must be covered under a high-deductible health plan on the first day of the month. High-deductible health plans have, you guessed it, a higher annual deductible than typical health plans, and a maximum limit on your annual deductible and out-of-pocket medical costs. Number two, you generally cannot have any other health coverage. Number three, you cannot be enrolled in Medicare. And number four, you cannot be claimed as a dependent on someone else's tax return. If you've passed those four tests, you qualify to make an HSA contribution. And for 2023, the contribution limit will be $7,750 for families and $3,850 for individuals. Furthermore, if you will be 55 or older by the end of the year, you can make an additional $1,000 catch-up contribution. If both you and your spouse are 55 or older and not enrolled in Medicare, you both can make the additional $1,000 catch-up contribution bringing your family total to $9,750 next year. Having said that, you cannot put your spouse's catch-up contributions inside your own HSA because HSAs are not joint accounts. Similar to an IRA, HSAs are owned by one person. Your spouse can and probably should be the beneficiary. More on that in a little bit. And that means your spouse will need to open their own HSA once they turn 55 if they intend to make the $1,000 catch-up contribution. So why are HSAs worth considering? Well, they have a unique triple tax benefit, making them one of the most attractive things that you'll find in the tax code. Here's how they work. 
Your contributions reduce your taxable income. Investment growth within the account is tax-free, and withdrawals for qualified medical expenses are tax-free too. Many people confuse health savings accounts with flexible spending accounts. Money in flexible spending accounts, or FSAs, must generally be used by the end of the year. But health savings accounts are not a use-it-or-lose-it account. It's a savings and investing account. HSA dollars can be carried over from year to year and, depending on your plan and balance, invested and grow tax-free for years, even decades. Yes, you'll get a debit card for your account, and yes, you can use it to pay for this year's qualified medical expenses. But by swiping the card today, you're foregoing the possibility of years of tax-free growth. Maybe that's right for you, maybe it's not. It's certainly better than carrying medical debt on a credit card. But if you can afford to pay this year's qualified medical expenses out of pocket, you can leave your HSA dollars untouched and invested so they can compound and grow tax-free. And get this, you can reimburse yourself for those expenses down the road because there's no time limit for reimbursement. You can only do this for qualified medical expenses that occurred after you opened your HSA. Just make sure to keep detailed records and receipts. And for what it's worth, I use a spreadsheet to keep track of my own reimbursable expenses. How about an example? Let's say you go to the chiropractor and the visit costs $50. You have a few options. You can use your HSA card since it's a qualified medical expense. Or you can pay for the $50 visit out of pocket, save the receipt, make an entry in your spreadsheet so you don't forget about it, leave that $50 in your HSA, and enjoy years of potential tax-free growth. Hypothetically, let's say that that $50 grows to $100. Well, now you can withdraw the $50 from your HSA to reimburse yourself for that visit to the chiropractor. And since your original 50 grew to 100, the remaining $50 is still inside your HSA to use on something else, ideally another reimbursement from years ago. On that note, money in HSAs can be used to cover qualified medical expenses for you and your spouse and all dependents that you claim on your tax return. So what happens if I take money out of my HSA and don't use it on a qualified medical expense? The distribution will be taxed as ordinary income and subject to a 20% penalty. The 20% penalty goes away once you turn 65, meaning your HSA is similar to a traditional IRA at age 65. You can still use it to pay for qualified medical expenses tax-free, or you can use it on anything you want and just pay ordinary income tax on the withdrawals. Your spouse can inherit your HSA, and it passes to them tax-free. But for anyone else, those non-spouse beneficiaries, it's a taxable distribution and taxed as ordinary income. That said, I've never met anyone that I would say had too much money in an HSA. The article highlights a 56-year-old man by the name of Paul Fronston. He opened an HSA in 2014, and his account has grown to a little more than $60,000 in it. He plans to keep adding to it and investing, so it's there in his late 60s and beyond. 
He saves all his receipts and says that his HSA is there if he needs it. But so far, he has not needed it. And if you ask me, he's done a fantastic job of planning for his future healthcare cost. Want to know something I wish I knew a few years ago? HSAs are immediately portable, meaning you don't have to leave your employer or switch plans in order to move some or all of your HSA savings to another provider. I didn't know this and kept my HSA dollars with the employer-selected provider that wouldn't allow me to invest it because I didn't meet the minimum balance requirements. They charged me monthly maintenance fees just to have my small account sitting there in cash. Had I known that HSAs were immediately portable, I would have transferred all or some of it to another provider that allowed 36-year-old me to invest it for my future medical cost. And for what it's worth, Morningstar recently published an article on the best HSA providers of 2022. I'll include a link to the article in the show notes of this episode. Let's keep going. Almost nobody knows this, but you can have multiple HSAs, one at work and one outside of work. You just can't exceed the annual contribution limit. For example, you might want to maintain your HSA with your employer if you're making deposits via payroll or if they're making employer deposits for you. Yep, an HSA may receive contributions from an eligible individual or any person, including an employer or a family member on behalf of the eligible individual. The total annual contribution between you and your employer cannot exceed the individual or family limit for the year. You can claim a tax deduction for contributions you or someone other than your employer make to your HSA, even if you don't itemize your deductions on Schedule A. Employer contributions are not deductible and are not included in your income. Okay, are you ready? The next one, known as a super HSA, might blow you away. Remember how I said HSAs may receive contributions from any person on behalf of an eligible individual? Guess who can be an eligible individual? Your college-age kids that are covered on your family's high-deductible health plan. That's right, they can have their own HSA and they can fund it up to the family limit. Or, if you'd like, you can help your kids out and fund their HSA for them. The catch here is you cannot claim them as a dependent on your tax return if you decide to do this. So, it's probably a good idea to have a conversation with your tax professional and ask the question, does it make sense to claim my college-age kid this year? The last thing I want to mention today is that you have up until the tax filing deadline to fund your HSA for the previous year. That means you can wait to fund your account if you want to see what your qualified medical expenses add up to first. And so, for tax year 2022, you have up until April 18th, 2023, to fund your HSA. Now you know the tax secrets of health savings accounts. Until next time, here's to your atomic retirement. If you have questions or would like to take the next step, you can schedule your free appointment online. To get started, visit atomicplanning.com to schedule a Zoom meeting that works best for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Atomic Retirement. Be sure to check out the show notes for helpful links and resources mentioned in today's episode. Do you love the podcast and find it helpful? If so, you can bet other people will find it helpful too. Please hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and a short comment on Apple Podcast. You have the power to help. 
and your review can help people find answers to their retirement questions. And spread the word. Please share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. Thanks again for taking the time to listen, and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Atomic Retirement. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not investment, tax, or legal advice. Clients of Atomic Planning may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this communication. I try my best to bring you valuable information, but I may not know anything about you or your personal situation, so please talk with your fee-only financial planner, tax, and or legal professionals before taking any action or making any decisions about your own financial plan. Atomic Planning is a veteran-owned Kansas State-registered investment advisor providing independent tax and retirement planning.